listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast with your host, Timothy Lambert-Monk. Welcome in everyone to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. This is the AFC South Exit Interview Series Podcast. If you're tuning in today, chances are you either like the podcast or you liked Monday's episode there of the AFC East. Uh, If you haven't checked that one out already, go and do so. This week is of course the AFC. Tonight is the AFC South. Tomorrow, AFC North. Friday, the AFC West. Uh, Obviously, don't also forget to check out our podcast from yesterday, looking at the free agency. Uh, Thank you all for joining us for this podcast and a real... Uh, thank you to the four guys that are on the show today. So we have, um, first up will be the Houston Texans, which is Ben Rolfe, uh, Indianapolis, which was uh, Rob Grimwood, Tennessee is Adam Foxcroft, and Jacksonville is James Fotheringham as well. So we each, uh, just before we get into those, thank you to each and every one of you and to, to everyone who has helped contribute to this series. So it was a lot of work, and I think today's podcast, I don't think there's been uh, any news changes uh, for to any of the four teams, so that's good, isn't it? Um, Obviously, we've recorded these over the past couple of weeks, so I think the AFC North uh, kind of stitched me up a little bit there with Joe Flacco and some of the news over there in the West as well in terms of Oakland. But they, what, what can you do? You try and plan these things out at the quietest part of the year and uh, comes back and bites you on the arse. But uh, yeah, so yeah, today talking obviously Houston, Indianapolis, Tennessee and Jacksonville. So I hope you enjoy it, fellas. Uh, don't forget to get in touch with us at Full 10 Yards on the Twitter. But let's get into it. Okay, it's time to talk uh, AFC South winners in 2018. The Houston Texans, uh, 11-5 and five there, obviously the number three seed. And joining us uh, for, to talk all things Texans is uh, Ben Rolfe, a uh, UK fantasy writer. Ben, thank you for joining us. How have things been? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, it, uh, looking forward to talking about the Texans. So it's been a weird season, but it's going to be good to talk about it. Yeah, as I say, yeah, f- funny, uh, funny season. But um, yeah, so Texans... If we if we had one word to describe what the the Texan season uh, kind of was, what what would you kind of give the word? Underwhelming would be my word. Having watched the games, that that's how I feel. Having watched them, the record suggests more than the performances probably mm. deserved in mm. in some ways. Mm. Yeah, I mean the word the word I've got here is peculiar. Uh, say they started off zero three, then won nine straight, but. <sighs> When I was writing all the notes down for for the Houston Texans, I kind, I kind of thought looked at the season. I kind of thought we don't actually know anything about the, the Houston Texans from this season because you know the, the schedule wasn't great. Uh, they didn't they didn't have to face the toughest of, of teams. But there's there's funny games in there. You got you got overtime games. You know you had that, the funny one against the Colts there where um, you know Frank Reich went for it in, in silly territory in, in overtime and essentially gave the, the Texans the game. Uh, which turns out you know, it could have been a, a turning point there. If, if it had gone the other way, t- the, the Colts might have had that three seeds. But yeah, Houston, I, I don't really know what to make of them. I don't, I don't know if you can get maybe a, a handle on kind of what the, the Texans achieved or, or how good they are. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to take away from the season. I mean, the biggest thing is that Sean Watson's legitimate because when you just saw the brief showing that we had last year, what was it, a four or five game sort of sample size of what he'd done there was a lot of questions about how good he was but what we've seen this year is despite everything else that's happened with that team when Deshaun Watson rips it he really does he can use his legs he can find his guys when he had a full complement of um, weapons on the outside he was an absolute beast with the ball and I think 
if Texans fans take nothing else from this season, that's the key thing. You've got Deshaun Watson. He's very good. Your window is closing a little bit on using his rookie contract, but I think it's a positive situation to be in, and I think that's your biggest takeaway if, if you're trying to be positive about the season. Yeah, yeah. I say they they somewhat stumbled into the playoffs a little bit. Um, I, I think that was helped by obviously the, the, the schedule they had, but. Yeah, I mean, let's look at the positives first. JJ Watt had a full season, which is not something he's done for a little while. Um, he's 29 years old now as well, so uh, 16 sacks. Obviously, was up there with the the, the top ends. Uh, Turin Matthew, the big uh, the big slash signing from last season as well. He had had a fairly decent season with 70 solo tackles there. And like I say, there about Deshaun Watson being legit. You know, let's not forget as well. This guy took a bus to to Jacksonville because he couldn't get on a plane because of a you know a fear of a collapsed lung. So, be as well as being legit, he's also tough. Yeah, let's hope he doesn't need to take a bus when he comes to London next uh, <laughs> year, or that could be a long old journey. I mean, yeah, he, he he stood in there and he took a lot. And I mean, that was my biggest worry about him before the season. It's one of the reasons I didn't think they would win the division was I wasn't 100% sure they'd get 16 games out of Sean Watson. So that means a lot. Um, JJ Watt's interesting because he has undergone surgery for uh, some sort of floating fragments in, I believe, knee or ankle so since the season. And that, that's obviously a big deal because that guy is always injured. I was looking actually, and, and weirdly, they can get out of his contract. And it's a decent-sized contract. If they uh, pay $2 million in dead cap space, they will essentially they could end his contract if they cut him before June the 1st. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he means too much to that franchise. But... Yeah. It's going to be an interesting story just to watch because they've got a lot of cap space and we'll talk about what they're going to do going forward later, I know. But it could be just an interesting debate there. I think you've got to keep JJ Watt. He is, he's your main man. He's your leader. But it's an interesting debate to be had because he proved fairly ineffective in some very key games, especially against the Colts in that playoff game. And, and that's, that is a concern, is, is just how ineffective that pass rush was right at the end of the season. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it kind of caught me by surprise there. With uh, you know thinking of JJ Watt, maybe another team. It doesn't like say he, the amount of uh, fundraising he's done for you know the hurricanes and 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 all the disasters there. I, I can't imagine that they'd they'd, they'd cut him and, and let him go because uh, he he I think he elevates everyone else in that team to to play at his you know his expectations, which I think which I think helps as well. Um, but yeah, moving moving back to Deshaun Watson, obviously a, a, a key issue for the Texans this year were. Well, it was the offensive line giving up 62 sacks? Um, and like I say, if he if he has to take a bus to London, he might get a bit wet as well. Um, but it, you know, injuries seem to follow the Texans from season to season. Like I say, JJ Watt over the last couple of years has never been able to get fully healthy. But you know, this is a Texans team that's had injuries to Will Fuller, Kiki Cutie. Um, you know, they even acquired Demarius Thomas, who still couldn't play the full complement of games that he was there. Um, and Lamar Miller as well missed missed a couple of games. Is it, is it just a case that we might? They, they kind of got away with one here this season in terms of you know their record and the, the, they got away with the schedule, the ease of it, that how it how it turned out. Do we see if if all the pieces are back and firing next season? And I know that's, that's a you know, it's a big if. Um, yeah, could we, could we see Houston Texans even progress and get even more wins next season? Yeah, I think they'll struggle to go much over the sort of eleven win threshold. I, I'm just not a hundred percent sure. 
that without you mentioning the offensive line there, that's uh, in, in capital letters when we get to off-season needs, is, is offensive line for me. Yeah. Um, if they can't improve that, they're not going to get above 11 wins. Mm. You mentioned Will Fuller and the injuries there. Um, at this stage, I think you have to consider that Will Fuller is never going to play a full season. Mm. And I kind of wonder if they now have to think about how they're going to manage him through a season and start yeah. thinking about perhaps um, delaying the starts of his season or limiting his snap counts early in the season so that they've got him down the stretch run. Because mm-hmm. for me, they're going to have a shot at the playoffs every year. It's, it's, it's a great division, but realistically, what are we talking about? They've, they've got to probably get to 10-6 and six to, to have a wild card spot. And I think they can do that. Kuti uh, looked fairly good. Uh, Demarius Thomas is another guy who they've added. He's a great possession receiver, but I do question again. They have an out on his contract where they wouldn't have to pay a penny and they could cut him and save $13 million if they really wanted to. I mean, yeah. I mean, he didn't look amazing after he came over, but again, much like J.J. Watt, I think it's a push to see them do it. I think it's a bold step, especially with $65 million in cap space. I, I don't I don't think the need is, is there given the amount of pieces they've already got settled on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, injuries are going to be key. They're going to have to try and stay healthy for a year and... Generally, we say injuries are bad luck, but when you keep seeing the same guys getting injuries, when you keep seeing the same teams having injuries, yeah. you start to question practice methods. You start to pra- uh, question how the medical staff are, are sort of treating these guys. I, I never really want to question what a medical staff do. I understand their jobs are extremely delicate, but you have to question why guys are playing at less than maybe they should. All of that comes into it. and. If we keep seeing the Texans have injury hit years, we have to start questioning whether or not this injury luck will ever reverse itself. With with other teams, I feel confident it will. But with these guys, I, I just have a little bit of concern right now. Mm. Yeah, Green, probably similar similar echoing thoughts to, to Washington. They always seem to be a team there. That that FedEx field yeah, seems to be a bit weird. And yeah, you have to wonder what they kind of do over there in that organisation. But that's for another time. But let's, let's, move, let's move on to Lamar Miller, uh, Ben. He's he's a guy that um, is is quite hard to quantify in terms of either words or uh, kind of opinions. If you if you go around and ask ten to twenty different people with varying, uh, let's say, knowledge of the NFL, uh, but at least watch it, I think you'd probably get a wide range of results. What what would you what would you say Lamar Miller is at this point? He's he's a slightly better than average running back, but. He, and, and in many ways, he is underrated. I, I think a lot of people do think that he is he's terrible, and he's not terrible. But what we've seen this year with um, the left bell situation, with Connor coming in, with the Todd Gurley, C.J. Anderson situation, is that sometimes all you need down the stretch is fresh legs. Mm. And a guy, and Jalen Samuels in Pittsburgh, he came in, he looked good. Justin Jackson looked good. I can name so many running backs who came in and hit the gap hard for three or four weeks faded away slightly. I question whether or not the Texans need to keep paying Lamar Miller as much as they do. Yeah. Now, I was looking at his contract details earlier, and actually, he's he's only on their books for a cap number of $7.2 million next year, which yeah. puts him as the sixth most expensive running back next year as it stands. That obviously doesn't count all the free agents that are yet to be signed. Mm-hmm. I actually think if they had to decide to lock up Lamar Miller this year, I'd move on. He's going to be 29, 28 next year, so 29 going into 2020. I don't think I'd be looking to extend his contract. But when you've got all that cap space, he's taking up less than 4% of next year's cap. Yeah. I think you keep him on the cap, you run him hard, and you hope like hell 
that you are the guys that are taking advantage of a guy on a contract year because mm. we've seen how that works with the likes of DeMarco Murray and people like that. Yeah. You put them in a contract year, they put up big numbers. Mm. I think Lamar Miller can have another solid year. We saw that game against Jacksonville yeah. when he absolutely in Tennessee, when he tore them to pieces. Like he, He's got the ability to do it, but keeping him on the field, again, someone you're going to have to game manage, someone you want ready for the playoffs. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I was trying to... Uh, have a metaphor for, for Lamar Miller. And the best, the best I think I could come up with with him is he's similar to like going to Greg's. You know, they've been around for years. You, don't, you never feel great about going in and having him or getting him on your team, especially for fantasy, uh, fantasy football. But that, they always does the job. Um, you know, it, usually, it usually works out, but sometimes it doesn't. Uh, and I think that's kind of a, a Lamar Miller. You know, I'm not saying that Lamar Miller is Greg's, but... Yeah, you've you've got these these free agents this year. You have got Tevin Coleman, you have got Mark Ingram, uh, and and a few others as well. The uh, Miller was the RB twenty two last year uh, in, in standard scoring. That was just on a, on a fourteen game uh, basis. But you never, if you, if you look at the numbers, he's not actually had had that bad a season. But if you look like to the way he plays or the way he does it, he never. I mean, Alfred Blue got some decent snaps this year. Um, you just never really know what to what to make of of Lamar Miller. Um, they're trying to pull his stats up on here. I haven't got it in front of me. Um, yeah, well, the other thing is you're going to get Deontay Foreman back yeah, yeah. next year, yeah. um, and he was someone I think they were keen to use before his injury, and then it dragged, it dragged. He never he never really got healthy. Another one of these injury problems we keep talking about. Mm. But I mean, it's just little things like they were 19th in net rushing yards per attempt, like. Yeah. That's not a good sign, and I know some of that will fix if the offensive line fixes. Yeah. I understand all of that. But also things like when you're 20th on third down conversions in the league, so you're converting third downs at 37%, the reason for that is you're always in third and long. Yeah. And the reason that's happening is Lamar Miller is not getting you four or five yards yeah. on first down, making your second down easy. Then it's putting pressure on Deshaun Watson to find DeAndre Hopkins, and you can't do that consistently because on third down, you know what everybody's going to do. They're going to roll two men over to DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to um, hit the guys at the line. They're, they're, they're not going to give you those easy third down conversions. And and Deshaun Watson's not quite the stage in his career where he can stand in the pocket and hit them. And so that comes back to Lamar Miller needing to churn on first down. Yeah. It, it um, It's the same in the red zone. They only convert for a touchdown 50% of the time. Mm. And that was 27th in the league. Yeah. You, you need the running game close to the goal line because mm. Watson can't just stand back there and throw the ball. But equally... They need to use Watson to open Miller up in those situations. Get in that shotgun, get in that read options kind of set, and then you can use Watson to open up Miller. And I don't know if they're clever enough with that, but next year with Watson a bit further removed from his ACL, mm. then they'll have that option again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on, on the plus side for Miller, he's he's had his highest uh, yards per carry average uh, in the three seasons that he's been there. I think this season, 4.6. He had 210 attempts uh, for 973 yards and the five touchdowns. Which generally is what he's done over the course of the season, uh, but obviously his average uh, there a bit better than it has been uh, going back to his Miami days as well. So, yeah, like I say, if you, if you fix the the offensive line, you get get a bit a bit more there. The holes just maybe that tiny bit deeper. Uh, he can get churn an extra yard or two uh, on those those early runs. But yeah, everything you said there is exactly right. Um, so, so from your perspective, then you see Lamar Miller back there next season, uh, so with, with Foreman and Blue kind of chipping in. Yeah, I, I, think, I mean, crazier things have happened. If they cut him, it would only cost them a million. They'd save 6.2. So I could see them doing it, but I'm really not sure who you're bringing in, who's more effective, whether or not you're saving that much money. I mean, you, you might hope to get guys that 
catch lightning in a bottle for three or four games. But I think they keep Lamar Miller. I think he knows the offense. He, he seems a decent pass blocker from what I've seen. He doesn't seem a calamity in there, which is always a bonus. I think they keep him in there. He, that means the running back group stays consistent. They hopefully will get Fuller, Kuti, and Thomas back. And then they've got five legitimate weapons, plus Foreman, plus Blue, plus whatever tight ends develop through the system. Yeah. They're going to have a formidable offensive weapons for Deshaun Watson next year. I don't think you should change your running back situation at this yeah. stage. No, that's fair. As I say, quite a few number of youngish tight ends there. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if anyone, any of those can come to the fore. If maybe it's a, it's a kind of a Dallas situation there. In uh, funny enough, in Houston, um, let's quickly let's touch on the, the wide receiver position uh, in terms of DeAndre Hopkins. You know, we, we can't go a, a Texan segment without without talking about DeAndre Hopkins. Were we were we surprised at what he's done this year, or is he, you know, going to be the first wide receiver off the board in fantasy uh, next season? Just because you know, as as things stand, he's the best player. Uh, for fantasy purposes, but you know he's always gonna he's always gonna produce. Yeah, for me, it's it's him or Julio. I I, I absolutely adore Julio Jones. I think he is a a monster in his own right. But Hopkins is just it's incredible his catch rate and and that's so important. Um, especially if you do play in one of the leagues that that account for drops because obviously that is that is costly if you if you have those kind of leagues. Um, Hopkins is so secure and Watson loves him. But I do think that you're going to see more and more teams keep rolling coverage towards him, taking him out of the game as much as possible. Um, again, if they have Fuller, they have Cootie, they have Thomas, you can't, you can't do that because if they line you up four wide, pick your poison because mm. Fuller can beat you deep. Cootie's quick on those little routes and we've seen Thomas throughout his career take those screens 70, 80 yards for touchdowns. He's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So. Hopkins is going to get plenty of situations where the defense is not just going to be able to key off on him like they did towards the end of the year. And, I mean, if you want to take him first overall as a wide receiver in terms of your first wide receiver off the board, absolutely. I, I, you can't you can't quibble it. it. There's going to be two or three guys in the conversation and he's going to be one of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let, let's talk about next season uh, a bit more. A bit more here. So what, what do you, what, apart from the offensive line, are there any other areas that they, the Texans need to have a look at? Yeah, the, their defensive backs were a bit of an issue. I mean, they gave up the 18th most net yards per attempt in, in terms of passing, as opposed to ranking first in um, net yards per attempt in the rush game, like in stopping that. So they also ranked third in the league in stopping rushing touchdowns, but 18th in the league in allowing passing touchdowns. So that's gonna that's gonna be part of the issue. So um, I know that I know they faced a lot of pass last year because they were so good against the run, and that kind of can distort the values a little bit on that. But defensive back is an issue. I feel like their linebackers they're either extremely underrated or they're extremely unknown because, yeah. like off the top of my head, I struggle to think of any of the kind of middle linebacker types in that in that setup. And I think that's important when you're trying to stop running backs out the backfield. We've seen Marlon Mack for the Colts and. We know TJ Yeldon types in Jacksonville got used in that in that passing game, mm-hmm. uh, and Tennessee have got Dion Lewis. So they that, that that's a big element. It's trying to stop that passing out the backfield. Yeah. But they do also need to improve on that secondary. They have a lot of names there, but I don't feel like they did a great job. And and I don't know if that's you'd have, I'd have to go back and watch to know if that was to do with the pass rush not always being effective, but. My God, that pass rush is is pretty scary when you think of the names on it. So you, you can't see how they can improve that in any way. Yeah. Like yeah. I say, their offense is going to take a natural step forward. I really like um, the young guys um, at tight end. So I don't think they need to desperately 
go out and look at that. They they drafted a guy last year. That his, his name escapes me. I, I want to say Griffin um, out of UCF. Yep. He he was fantastic as a um, oh, no Aikens Jordan Aikens. Jordan that Aikens, was him. Yeah. Thinking of he he looks superb hands wise, and I think he will develop into a decent pass threat. If they can just keep those other receivers healthy, their offense is going to be amazing. It, it's offensive line and it's secondary for me. Mm. Yeah, just, the, just touch on the on the Titans there. Got, they've got a couple of youngsters: Jordan Aikens, twenty six; Jordan Thomas, uh, twenty two as well. I think Jordan Thomas was. Uh, did they did they draft Jordan Aikens last year? Or was it Jordan Thomas? Because say he's got four years on uh, Jordan Aikens, but um, yeah, Brian Griffin is there as well. But as I say, it's um, it, it's one it's one of each. You know, six of one, half a dozen of the other, isn't it? It just depends on. Like similar to Dallas, if any of those, one of those are going to step forward, or if maybe they go a bit more power, and you know, because the offensive line is was so poor. Um, to, I, I haven't got the numbers in front of me in two tight tight end sets, uh, twenty one personnel, but um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't think they need to touch anything at tight ends, despite the uh, the quality in in this year's draft uh, at the tight end position. So going into, so if you have one word then, Ben, to, to describe Houston Houston going into 2019, uh, 2020 season, if you, all the fans listening out there. What what would the word be for them? The hyphenated word. It's pass blocking. <laughs> you've got to keep. Um, you've got to keep Deshaun Watson upright. You keep Deshaun Watson upright. You give him a pocket to throw from. He was the most hit quarterback this year. You give him a pass pocket. He will tear teams to pieces. He is just going to be able to pass all over them. I think next year is going to be a fun division in the AFC South. But I think the Texans, if they get the right pieces on offensive line, and it's going to have to be done through the draft because the free agency group is not good. Um, if they get that right, they are going to absolutely have a real shot of going to the playoffs as potentially even a one or two seed. Mm. And just a, just a quick one on uh, on Deshaun Watson. Does Deshaun Watson uh, mimic his, his top five fantasy finishes next year? Yeah, I think so. I think between his legs and and his throwing, he will. I think he'll rush for enough touchdowns, and that's key. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, had the five uh, five rushing touchdowns uh, this season. Yeah, again, it's going to be about you know can they can they keep him upright and can they stop him from getting sixty two sacks uh, next season, which would be would be a hard feat to to repeat. But you never you never know. Um, but yeah, that's gonna that's gonna wrap us up for Texans talk. Then Ben, thank you so much for coming on. No problem. I, I really enjoyed it. I uh, covered them this year. It's nice to uh, talk about it and uh, and go through it and sort of bring it all together at the end of the season. Next up in, on the AF, AFC South is, of course, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Ten and six record, which was surprised most of us. Let's uh, be interesting to see if uh, Rob Grimmond from across the fantasy pond at FF Britballer. Let's uh, be interesting to see if he was surprised by that. Uh, Rob, welcome you in once again to the podcast. Um, always a pleasure having you on, telling us how it is. Uh, how how did you feel the Indianapolis Colts were going to do going into the season? Surely not a ten and six record. Oh no, I was very very impressed. I must admit, Tim, going into the season, there's so many questions. We we weren't sure uh, how it was going to end up, but you know we're sitting here today and. Thoroughly enjoyed watching the Colts this season. Um, we we ticked a lot of boxes. A very a very happy fan right now. Yeah, and absolutely. And let, let's not forget, you know, rewind rewind from now back back a year. It was all about the uh, Josh McDaniels uh, kind of leaving them at the altar, wasn't it? With uh, Frank Reich picking up the the sloppy second, as it were. But um, seems to have worked out for both um, both coaches there. You know, who knew that 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 could. Uh, that could have happened, but that doesn't usually work out that way. But I suppose you know, hindsight obviously is is a, a great advantage to have. But I'm sure you, you're you're pleased with the way it's worked out. 
Yeah, I have no time for Josh McDaniels. Uh, I couldn't care less what he does. Uh, no, we've. Um, I think we've got the better end of the of the deal there. Frank Reich has just been absolutely fantastic. Uh, I listened to the the Pat McAfee show. He used to be the punter for the Indianapolis Colts, and he's a very funny guy. He's got his own show, yeah. and he, he has always talked up Chris Ballard as a very very good GM. So I kind of had a, a trust installed in him, and this year last offseason the draft and then the free agency he, he really has cemented that he's a very very good gm and and frank reich yeah okay body he wasn't our number one target but he's come in and he has you know proved to us that he should have been number one target mm-hmm. after all um so yeah very happy with the way that the team has been run right now yeah yeah, of course, on the podcast, uh, the we, we gave him coach of the year. Obviously, the NFL honours didn't quite ever agree. But uh, yeah, Frank Reich obviously done a, a sterling job there. Number six seed in the AFC, which obviously going into the season would have been more than uh, beyond the, the Colts' wildest dreams after you know kind of what happened. And part of that was obviously the O-line, uh, one of the worst uh, in 2017, going to the best in 2018 in terms of you know sacks given up. Uh, and a big part of that, Quentin Nelson, first-round draft pick in 2018, uh, and uh, mm. Kelly as well, the centre. That, that played a big part in that. Yeah, I think Ryan Kelly um, spent a lot of time injured last season. Um, he was kind of... It, we drafted him in 2016 in the first round, and he's kind of a guy that's took a took a while to get but this year has has kind of come out of his shell and has performed so well obviously everyone knows about quentin nelson and how good he's been uh, and players like anthony costanzo who's been good for years but has been part of a terrible line yeah. uh, he's actually now found himself on a good line and actually proved that he is you know a really good tackle mm-hmm. um but also as well we've got Braden smith who we drafted in the second round last year he's been phenomenal at right tackle um and then the, the sort of a mix of mark Lewinsky and um evan bohm as well the raven clark they've sort of come in and did the guard duties um and they've all just been fantastic it's it's such a surprise i was really worried at the beginning of the season uh, you know would quentin nelson be enough to to put us up to the next sort of next gear and and not be the one in the league and yeah i mean number one overall is absolutely phenomenal i uh, didn't expect that at all no no absolutely and um you know let's not forget as well you know first six first six weeks of the season didn't kind of go to plan did it i mean i don't know if it's teething problems uh with frank reich's system you know you, you always mm. get bedding in problems aren't you but, but actually went you know one and five uh, and in, in the middle of that sandwich was obviously of course that that at the time, quite contentious overtime loss to the Texans, where Frank Reich obviously goes for it on fourth down uh, in their own territory. It's, it's, yeah. it's essentially giving it to the Houston Texans that game. Um, but it, it, amazing, really, because yeah. at that point, both teams then won one and three. Um, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, what a turnaround. You know, seven and one after the bye week uh, was matched by Dallas on the on the NFC side. Um, why, why, why such a difference in fortunes pre-bye week and post-bye week? I, I don't know. I really don't know. I can't put my finger on it. I, all I remember is staring so much in front of the TV uh, when we went for it on that fourth down against you. It was just a stupid call. And I remember being so angry at that. But then, yeah, we come back off the bye week and we literally look like a different team. And, you know, everyone just started to gel, I think. And I think that's exactly what it is in period, as you said. That more so than ever for us this year has been key and 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 it came through and the second half of the season we were the best team in the nfl mm. you know record wise mm. um you know 
And I think we thoroughly deserve to get to the playoffs and thoroughly deserve to get as far as we got. Mm. Yeah, and let's not forget as well, the first to four of six weeks uh, were away games as well. So, you know, that that yes. tra- travelling back to back in, in weeks, so week two and three and, and, and five and six as well, is, no, is never an easy easy thing to do. Uh, but, you know, this is a team that ended up, you know, fifth uh, in the league in points for and tenth in points against. So, you know, both, both sides of the ball. And uh, I think it's, it's quite understated as well how, how much this defence has improved with, you know, you, you've got Darius Leonard there, mm. um, you know, He's got all the accolades this season. Obviously, a Pro Bowl snub, um, which is absolutely ludicrous. But you know, we need to we need to appreciate whilst on the offensive side of the ball. You know, you've got Andrew Luck, you've got T.Y. Hilton, Ira Kebron, obviously um, doing their stuff. But it's also you know, there's not many stars on this on this Colts defense. So for them to elevate their levels to play, mm. obviously, was another big part of why he made both postseason. Yeah, it's uh, the, 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 it's a team spirit in that defense, and you've got. A lot of average players that who play together and they play very well together. Players like Clayton Gathers, who are actually their contracts are ended this year, so it'll be interesting to see if we re-sign them. Um, but play the most the most impressed I was. Yes, uh, um, Darius Leonard was phenomenal, but the defensive line of Jabal Sheard, Marcus Hunt. Uh, Danica Autry were just absolutely phenomenal and Taquan Lewis came but he was injured at the beginning of the season he came in uh, pretty soon after that bye week when we started winning games um, and he looks absolutely he looks phenomenal as well uh, as a defensive end so that defensive end for me won the defence over um, in my brain uh, for how good they were this this year, because we were able to pressure the opposing quarterback, we were able to actually stop the run. Which I don't know if you remember last year, we were so bad against the run. Mm-hmm. We, there was holes everywhere, mm-hmm. and it was the same for the first five weeks. But then all of a sudden, they again they they gelled and got together. Mark Punt, who he came from Cincinnati, was a pretty unknown has had the uh, career year this year and was one of our best players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I say it wasn't too too long ago as well. You're getting uh, lit up by Blake Balls at Wembley either, so <laughs> um, they, they've come they've come a long way, shall we say? <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously the it's all, it's all about the future, looking looking forward, and uh, the future's bright. But just uh, a quick mention of Marlon Mack. Obviously, he was suspended for uh, pushing the, the start of the season. Seems to you know, in fact, both I know mm. you're a big fantasy guy, Rob, and you know, every, I suppose everyone is pretty much yep. that, that follows football. Is there a sense that he's actually quite underappreciated in in what he managed to you know accomplish this season in the in the NFL? Um, you know, he wasn't certain to come back into the starting lineup and, and take the role he kind of has, um, but he's wrestled that backfield back from you know they've taken a couple of running backs in the 2018 draft in Naeem Hines and Jordan Wilkins, who looked good in spots, especially Naeem Hines catching out the backfield and Robert Turpin. Turpin has always um, always been hanging around there. Is it, is it a case that Marlon Mack's been a bit underappreciated? At the, not necessarily from the Colts, um, you know, club, but maybe just people in general. No, I'm I'm number one on that list of underappreciating him. I thought we'd really really struggle with the running game, um, and I think we did in parts. And I'm still, believe it or not, I know Marlon Mack has been fantastic for the last few weeks um, of the season and the and the postseason, but I still think that's a hole that we need to fill this off season. I really do. I, I mean, Levine. Not you know, let's not let's not uh, let's, let's address the elephant in the room. Le'Veon Bell is available, and I really do hope. I think at the back of my mind that we go for him. Mm. Um, I still think I, I, I like Marlon Mack. I really do, but I don't know if he is a sustainable 
workhorse running back. Mm. I think if we're going to improve, he's done, he's done a very good job for us, but if we're going to improve, I think we need to make it a, a two-headed monster. Mm. I don't think Naeem Hines and Jordan Wilkins are um, have got the quality on a on a consistent basis, I think Jordan Wilkins is a very good backup and back, and I think Naheem Hines is a, is a fantastic pass catching running back. But that for me is where we need some improvement with the wide receivers as well, possibly. But Marlon Mack, yes, very good end of the season. Um, I still am left thinking that that's probably an area that I'd like to see addressed in the off season, though. Yeah, I mean, well, it's a, it was a bit niggled as well with a bit of injuries, but he still managed to mash, what, 10, 10 touchdowns over 1,000 yards from scrimmage. So not, not yeah. a bad season he's put together there. And like you say, you know... Obviously... Oh, no, no, he's had a great season, yeah. Mm. Um, and of course, obviously, Le'Veon Bell that you mentioned there. But I'll put this one to you, Rob. If Obviously, mm. Antonio Brown seems to be on his way as well. If you had the choice of either, either Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown, which one are you going for? Bell. Mm, interesting. Interesting. It, it, it's it, it's the age. It's the um, a wide receiver wise. You know, we've got Ty Hilton, who is one of the best in the league. Uh, we've got two very young wide receivers who didn't play this year. Dion Kane, who got injured in preseason, he was out for the season. And uh, Jaris Fountain, who is a guy that we picked up late in the draft, he's really good. And he practice squad last year. He's just been promoted into the into the uh, main team again. Um, We've got a couple of secret weapons under our sleeve, and I think that might, with Ryan Grant and Don Trellinman um, quite possibly not getting extensions that are there um, of free agents this year, uh, it could be a case that you'll see the young guys come through next year and could spring a surprise. That's a very, very early, deep, deep sleeper um, talk from me there. I like it. I'm going to quickly dash off to my dynasty waiver wires and uh, see if those, <laughs> if those are available. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah, it'd be interesting because I say we, we, we might as well move on to to the off season needs. And so you say, obviously, running back is a, is an area you, you mm. feel that they need to to improve. So you, you're quite happy with the wide receiving core then? I, I think we could probably get another couple of pieces, um, either second, third round of the draft. And I have been looking at the 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 upcoming draft. I think there might be a f- uh, sort of a run on receivers in the second, third round. So look for Indianapolis pick up. A receiver, possibly another guy in in the free agency. Um, but yeah, I, I think that our main focal point for this season has to be in in the back in the secondary um, defense, quarterbacks. Um, we've got Malik Hooker at safety, who's done a very good job since we drafted him last season, 2017. But the quarterbacks, uh, Quincy Wilson, is not bad. Um, Kenny Moore is okay. Chris Milton is. Okay, we we could. That's definitely the area for me where we need strengthen the most. Yeah, and obviously you know, going into to the twenty nineteen season, Rob, AFC South's a bit of a funny one, isn't it? It just depends on who you catch at what time in the division yeah. in terms of divisional games. I, I suppose judging based on you know the the exploits of the twenty eighteen season, a division division title the the aim for this one. It is. It's always the aim, um, but. I said on my podcast, um, which, by the way, a new episode came out this week. Go check it out across the fantasy pond. Um, the I said that the, the AFC South, I think, is going to become one of the most interesting divisions over the next couple of years, mainly because there's four very exciting teams in there now. Whereas, you know, years ago, it used to be Indianapolis and then three average at best teams in Jacksonville, Houston, Tennessee. But now 
those other three teams have sort of come up to our level and, in fact, overtaken us mm. over the last couple of years. Mm. Houston look really good with Sean Watson and, and co. Um, Jacksonville should look good. They looked good two years ago. Um, you know, so they're only a, a couple of pieces away from being Tennessee are a team on the up. So, yeah, the AFC South is, is going to be one hell of a division next season and very hard to predict because it's literally going to be a case of uh, a couple of losses and you're out. Mm. Yeah, and of the of the three, Rob, who who are the main protagonists there as your, as the challengers? Uh, Houston, mm. definitely. Yeah. Um, although Jacksonville, again, two years ago, we saw them have such a great season. They've got such a good defense. There seems to be some locker room issues. Um, they clearly haven't got a quarterback that they trust. They're you know running out of patience with Leonard Fournette. Um, I still think they're a couple of years away from from being back to how good they were last year. But Houston, for me, I had Houston very early on this season, um, or just season just gone, as uh, my outsiders for a, for a And I think they could have probably done it had they been a little bit more polished in defence. Um, I think there's areas that they're going to address this this offseason, and they're going to come back swinging um, come September in 2019. Yeah, certainly that that combo there of uh, Watson and um, DeAndre Hopkins uh, should be should be some good uh, matchups there in the AFC South. Le'Veon Bell is another one that could go to Houston, you know, and mm. that would sort out a lot of problems in the Houston team. If he goes there, that'd be scary to him. Mm. Yeah, if they, if they again, if they can, if they have the same performance that the Colts' offensive line did this season, because they, they were awful, weren't they? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's definitely some areas that need strengthening. We shall, we shall no doubt see very soon. But if uh, Le'Veon Bell does sign with the Colts, I'll be sure to keep a, an eagle eye on your on your Twitter handle at FFBritballer for <laughs> for no doubt celebration uh, celebratory gifts. Yes, definitely, definitely. Okay, Rob, thanks so much for coming on and talking Colts. Um, yeah, always appreciate you on, and no doubt we'll have you on it again in the very near future. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Tim, for having me. Next up in the AFC South podcast, we have the Tennessee Titans. And to break it, all down, uh, break it all down for us, we have Adam Foxcroft of the Long Snap Pod. Adam, welcome in to Talk Titans. Uh, hi there. Good to be on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. No worries. Um, bit of a funny season for the Tennessee Titans, obviously 9-7, and seven, which usually in the AFC South over the last couple of years is usually pretty good to get to the playoffs. But uh, no such luck this year. Um I suppose a couple of reasons for that. Um, obviously, Mike Malarkey left the Titans coming into the season, uh, taken over by Matt Lafleur, who has now also gone gone out gone out the outdoor. But um, yeah, I mean, twenty seventh out of thirty two in terms of, of of points for twenty fifth in terms in terms of yards gained. I suppose you did well to get nine and seven. <laughs> yeah, um, you've largely got our defense to thank yeah. <laughs> based on those numbers, uh, which is true. I mean, nine and seven three years in a row. Um, the world thinks the Titans are a terrible team. Mm. Um, I'll say we're above average. Um, it just it seems easy easy to hate on that. Um, but yeah, it's the first two of those years, obviously with Mike Malarkey mm. this year or last last year, I should say. Mike Brabel's come in. Um, the defense has has been good under also a new coordinator, Dean Pease. Mm. Um, Matt Lafleur, um, offensive coordinator, hasn't quite got it done really and um, he's off to to Green Bay as a head coach which yeah. seems still seems a strange one to me yeah. um but you know he's he's gonna have Aaron Aaron Rodgers to work with <laughs> this year um yeah a combination of Marcus Mariota and Blaine Gabbert 
um, doesn't quite or hasn't quite got the the juices flowing. Um, but as you say, nine and seven, um, nine and seven made the playoffs the previous season. Uh, it didn't this time, but um, you know it's it's not a bad season. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to see like to see improvement. Obviously, wouldn't we all? Yeah, absolutely. And so get, <laughs> saying about the, getting the juices flowing there, I, I, I assume uh, Marcus Mariota would have liked the juices flowing to his hand at, at most points of this season. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a funny he, one. He would. I mean, he. I don't think he's been fully fit at any point since week one, is the truth of it. Yeah. Um, and that game, you know, we. Well, every team kicks off the season with hope. Sometimes it's blind hope, mm. sometimes there's a reason for it. Uh, but that Miami game in week one, which lasted seven hours, and <laughs> it couldn't have it couldn't have gone worse in no. almost every way. Um, Delaney Walker with a season-ending injury, and then Marcus Mariota with that first stinger they called it. Yeah. Um, but kept coming back at various points, stringing a few games together. Um, it seemed to reoccur. Um, whether it was exactly the same injury, we don't know. But too much blame Gabbert's. Um, he did. He did win a couple of games, um, but I would say that's more down to coaching and defense than Blaine himself. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, just just a point on on that, Adam. When you, when you come into the season, obviously Matt Lafleur, who was supposed to be the the quarterback whisperer whisper in terms of Jared Goff, and was you know associated with his success and as, as well as, as Sean McVay. And Mark, Marcus Mariota coming into the season was under a lot of pressure as well, because obviously he's under Mike Malarkey, didn't have a lot uh, going for him in terms of people, you know estimating how, how well he's going to do and obviously the offence didn't really suit him as much last year there's a lot of hope coming into the year of, on that and obviously it didn't come to fruition do you think that and that will that will change going into 2019? That's the question that we all want answered um, I my view is you know, I'm, I'm still behind Mariota as a quarterback I, I think he's he's shown enough in four years um, that he's clutch um, which is one of the most important things mm. um, he can do it um, however, you know, plenty of Titans fans who would disagree with that. Mm. Um, and you can blame things on injuries to a point. Yeah. Um, but if the injuries themselves are a reason that um, you're not going to get those results, then it's it's got to be looked at. Um, he's got his fifth year option coming up. Yeah. And the team are, well, it looks like um, John Robinson, the GM and, and the team are going to back him in that fifth year. Um, but we haven't seen the new contract yet. No. Uh, whether we do may depend on what what sort of performances we see um, with a new coordinator Arthur Smith um, who's an internal appointment uh, he was a tight ends coach obviously Marcus will know him mm. um, not too many others outside the Titans will know him too well no. so yeah it'll be interesting to see see how that goes yeah, I mean, one thing with Mario is you have to worry about the durability. Uh, obviously, last year as well had, had some issues, and like you say, there they've picked up his fifth year option. Um, so yeah, it'd be, I suppose from from the the Titans' point of view, he's dangling the carrot in front of him, saying, "Look, if you want another contract, or you you know you want to be signed to a big extension, that this is the time to to, to deliver." So I suppose they're, they're, from both sides, there's there's things to be playing for in terms of contracts and and success. Uh, I suppose. But yeah, you know, he's behind a good O line, uh, one of the top rated O lines going into the season last year. Um, but yeah, you know, the key to Titans' success is obviously going to be the, how many games Blaine Gabbert plays during the season. So the lower that, <laughs> the lower that number, the higher the maybe the, the Titans' win number is going to be. But you say nine and seven last season, uh, most seasons is going to is going to be okay. Um, 
and another thing as well, the wide receiver core there is not is not the uh, the deepest of, of wide receiver cores. You know, if you ask anyone in that's an NFL fan to ask to, to to list three wide receivers for the Tennessee Titans, they may struggle to to get past uh, you know Corey Davis and Tajay Sharp. Um, is that something that you think that the Titans will address in the offseason at wide receiver? Because it's a, it's a fairly decent wide receiver class from what from what I can see. Uh, or there are maybe are there other issues there. Uh, wide receiver is a, a great shout. I, th- I would say that's our second need um, behind probably pass rush um, with the edge rush we've just had. Um, Brian Arakpo has retired, yeah. um, which leaves a big hole. Um, Derek Morgan's getting older. Um, he may have his own contract issues as well. Um, just that area needs needs addressing. Um, if there's one weakness our D had, it was not getting to the opposition quarterback enough. Yeah. Um, you know, wide receiver, as you say, um, a need as well. Probably the probably number two in my book. Mm. Um, it's a young core that we've got as well. So Corey Davis, um, you mentioned Char- Tajay Sharp. Um, so whether we look at that in free agency instead of the draft, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, that yeah. will be down to John Robinson, obviously. But I'd be very surprised if we don't see more talent added there. Mm. Um, obviously, more pressure has been put on them because of not having Delaney Walker all year, mm-hmm. um, which, yeah, yeah diff- different position, but that obviously affects that, um, well, that I mean, receiving core as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a point probably we can, we can explore for a little while. Delaney Walker's obviously now 34, missed most of the, missed most of the season last year after week one ankle injury. Uh, he's in the second year of his, of his two-year deal. Um, again, this is, a, tight, this is a, a draft class that has quite a lot of tight ends as well. And with, with Arthur Smith being a tight ends guy, it wouldn't surprise me to see them uh, pick a tight end in, in this draft. But going back to, to last year's draft, you only had the, obviously the four picks. So, you know, the youthfulness uh, that you already had in Corey Davis and, and Tyler Sharp from, and other, other areas as well from, from uh, previous drafts. I, I can't remember how many how many picks the Titans have this year, but I, I'd certainly expect them to see to pick one wide receiver, maybe even a tight end, considering the, the offensive coordinator. Uh, that's a yeah, maybe that may well happen. I mean, there's there's Johnny Smith in the the tight end um, yeah. depth chart as well, mm-hmm. um, who was drafted a couple of years ago, might yeah. be sixteen or seventeen. Yeah. Um, he's not. I don't. I'm not sure he's quite shown enough to to step up. Even he obviously had the opportunity without Delaney Walker. Yeah. Um, I don't think Delaney Walker's done. No. Um, no. But you know, it, it, it's clearly a risk there to to put all your eggs in that basket. Yeah. Um, yeah. It wouldn't shock me with Arthur Smith might be that way minded. Um, you could see a lot more more sets with two or three tight ends. And fewer receivers, um, that could be a way to go. Yeah, um, yeah, we will see. Yeah, I mean, interesting stat actually. Delaney Walker's looking through him. He's ne- he's never actually started a full season. Is that right? It doesn't no, it doesn't feel. No, no, he's uh, fourteen. Doesn't feel like he's had any. I mean, this is the first time he's had a serious knock while he's been a Titan, and maybe maybe a few niggles have. Yeah, I mean, 20, made him miss your game. Twenty twenty fourteen was um, was his was fourteen games uh, was was his most. So let me just uh, bring his bring his stats up quickly if I can. Uh, yeah, so uh, twenty eighteen just the one game. Year before that eleven, to, and then year before that 10, 10, 14, 11. So yeah, then a couple of years before that when he's at San Francisco, four games, seven games, eight games, eight games. I mean, he's under sixteen and fifteen, but not not as started. So he's been niggled for most of his career. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like. Yeah, weird, I don't it? know if the, if some of those were just not starts, as in a, a 
can't imagine what formation would have been on the field that yeah. wouldn't have him. But yeah, um, yeah that surprises me actually. Yeah. It doesn't feel like he's he's had too many serious serious issues mm-hmm. along that along the time other other than the the year we just discussed. Yeah, I mean, last four years, he's been a perennial kind of 800 yards kind of guy. 2015 was a standout year with his, his only, only season over 1,000 yards. Um, but yeah, he's, he's just steady run of the mill. And as I say, over the last couple of years, they've kind of leaned on him a little bit at the tight end position due to what they've had at wide receiver. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, he's also a big favourite of Marcus. Yeah. Um, yeah. They've they've seemed to seem to gel from the, the moment he was drafted. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, again, going back to... To the season we just had that's been a, a big miss for him um yeah f- fingers fingers crossed he's back fit really um if we get 16 games out out of him that's a huge weapon that was that was missing yeah, uh, yeah. but you know as, as you say you know an area of the field that does need a bit of a bit of an upgrade yeah i mean as well and what would also be good for a year out of delaney walker would be if you did did draft the Titans, you know, Titans usually don't take a little while to, to get used to the NFL, so that would probably help them them bedding into the team if you did pick one. But let's, uh, let's talk about the, the other position there, the, run, the running back position coming into 2018 uh, season. Dion Lewis was obviously the big the big acquisition there in the backfield to, to go alongside Derek Henry. Bit of a funny a bit of a funny season for both of them in terms of, you know, you, you couldn't really predict snap counts from week to week or, you know, how productive they were going to be. Uh, I know Derek Henry amassed over half of his uh, yardage in the last four games of the season and actually ended up with a 1,000-yard season, which going into week 10 or even 11, you said that you'd be um, on a first-class ticket to the mental institution. But, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there's a couple of yeah, questions I... here. Uh, sorry to, to cut you. Obviously, Dion De- Lewis, big signing. He's 28 years old. Derek Henry, obviously, a bit younger. Uh, than that, how how do you see what what they did last year and and going into twenty nineteen? Is it going to be much of the same? Well, it, I think you'll see the same two people. Um, hopefully, they'll be used a lot better. Mm. Um, the one of the weaknesses I felt with Lafleur is how how he used the two of them. Um, you you seldom saw them on the field together. Yeah. So you've got you've got two hugely talented running backs with very obviously different skill sets yeah. um you know look at their their relative sizes for starters mm. um you'd get you know, especially the first half of the season quite infamously um Derek Henry wasn't used in London um at the end of the Chargers game yeah. to go for two uh it had a similar similar strange call in the game at the Texans I think it was uh, where fourth and fourth and short um Derek Henry wasn't given the ball um so you know these things should be simple, I would think. Mm. You know, short yardage situation, you give the, the ball to the big guy. Yeah. Equally, Dion Lewis seemed to be used in strange ways at some points. Yeah. Um, he had a better start to the year and tailed off a bit, as well, as you'd expect looking at Derek Henry's numbers. But I don't, I don't see personally um, anything wrong with the two of them going forward. Um, Derek Henry's had his critics, shall we say. Um, some of it unfair, in my view. Um, I can... I could see what people are getting at, but when you when you look at him look at him go, and if he's used in the right way, he can be absolutely devastating. Mm. Um, so fingers crossed that Arthur Smith can be the the man to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think probably what maybe works against Tennessee in the in the backfield is when Henry's on the field, you you tend to think and maybe this is why they kind of went for it on those short yardage situations through the air or not to Derek Henry because it's maybe too predictable. But I, I suppose the the quarterback instability. Uh, is paired along with this, but when Henry was on the field, you kind of can be predictable in saying that Derek Henry is going to run it off. Dion Lewis is going to going to be on the field. It could be a, a dump off pass or a pass to to him perhaps. But 
Uh, I know Dylan Lewis was a bit of a rusher in New England, maybe not the primary rusher, but maybe they, they feel a bit too far the other way in being predictable and trying not to be predictable uh, with those two guys in the backfield. So, yeah, we'll be, we'll be interesting to see. I mean, Dylan Lewis had 900 scrimmage yards, which maybe, I don't think maybe many people thought he got that high. Um, 59 receptions. A lot of them were early in the yeah, early part of the season, I yeah, would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a bit predictable sometimes. No. Yeah, there, there can be moments where you can overthink things and you know, clutch moments of the game. There's mm. nothing wrong with going to your best play if it, if it works. Yeah. Sometimes even if the, the opposition know what's coming, but they just can't stop it, no. that could still be the best move. No, I mean, yeah, if, it, if it's a strength, I mean, look at Zeke Elliott over in Dallas. Yeah, whenever he's on the field, they start of the season, they knew that we were going to run the ball um, and then so stack the box a little bit and they, he still managed to pick up four or five. You know, if it's a strength of yours, you can still do it. It doesn't matter if they know what's coming. If you can execute and play to your strengths, then Derek Henry can, can still wheel off those those big yardage gains. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and also if you've got sets where you've got Lewis and Henry on the field together, it exactly. could disguise it could disguise yeah. things a bit. Like yeah, a yeah. bit more, bit more imagination in certain situations. Yeah. No, absolutely. But let's uh, before we before we close off. Obviously, it was a bit of a funny season for Tennessee. Looking at the games, I think it's it's the first time in a long time I've seen someone a team post post a shutout and then get shut out in the same season. That's um, quite <laughs> quite unusual. But if you look at the games themselves, I mean, wins versus a couple of playoff teams: Philadelphia, New England, Dallas, uh, and losses against teams like Buffalo and Miami. I mean, some of the teams you've beaten there. I mean, largely down to the defense. Um, I, I'm not quite sure what to make yeah. of the season. <laughs> I think that the defense is is absolutely right. Where a couple of those wins, you know, especially with Blaine Gabbert, you could put it down to coaching. Uh, the, a fake punt against Houston um, was the difference in that game. Yeah. Um, you've you've got yeah. You mentioned we were, we were shut out shut out against Baltimore, which was just a terrible performance all round. To be truthful, yeah. um, but getting a shutout against the Giants, um, it probably tells you about the performance of the defence and, and the offence to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, I can't go, can't talk about the strange results without mentioning 34-10 against New England, by the way. Absolutely, yeah, um, yeah. I would be letting down my fellow Titans fans if <laughs> I didn't bring that to your attention. Um, yeah, again, um, superb performance to buy, buy the defence in restricting them to 10 points, Tom Brady and everything. Mm. Um, not many have, have managed that, mm. except in the Super Bowl, weirdly. Mm. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So that's obviously last season. So going into to next season, then we'll, we'll finish off on this. What's what's the expectations in, in terms of Titans? Because AFC South is is a funny old uh, division as well from from year to year in terms of teams that are you know seemingly primed for a playoff run, a la the the Jacksonville Jaguars this season. Um, but obviously, two teams from last season made the playoffs. What 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 kind of the expectations for the Titans going into twenty nineteen? Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm obviously going to want a playoff berth. Um, it's. I'm not sure what a, sort of a fan I would be if I'd say, yeah, sort of six and ten would do. But no, <laughs> it's a. It's a tricky division to to read as well. I think you, the the Jags would have been favourites in 2018, and they they were nowhere. And yet Indianapolis on the flip side, mm. um, you're thinking. Well, they don't know if Andrew Luck's even going to be fit, let alone how he's how he's going to look, mm. and look at how they did. The Texans with Deshaun Watson are always going to look dangerous, and again, again, a good defense. Um, it it could be a really tough tough division, and mm. I would think at least one of the AFC wildcards you'd be looking would come out of the AFC South. Yeah, yeah. So nine and seven, as you say, might not do it. Mm. 
yeah. I mean, we've got to aim a bit higher. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this probably come down to like it has done for the last couple of seasons. It depends on when you catch the divisional games, isn't it? Say Jacksonville one week can look can look good, or what Indianapolis and Houston can look good, but then yes. they can also look poor as well. So I think maybe the key to it will be when the divisional games are, and obviously we, know, we all know it's a week seventeen game as well. But depending on you know early season or late season, because the NFL tends to to, to uh, spice it up a little bit and maybe not do it all spread out, but you know have a couple in a row or and you know start the season end the season. So I think it might probably come down to that. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, the Titans are definitely going to make the playoffs. Yeah, there'll be all sorts of variables that will come up. I'm sure. Um, yeah, scheduling could be could well be one of them. Um, also, it's only Feb, yeah, which yeah. is which is. A depressing thought that there's <laughs> seven months to go, but but there we are. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I suppose there's enough, there's enough there to, to be optimistic and say just in the draft, it'd be interesting to see what they add on offence to, to help out Mariota. Obviously, a big part of it will come down to Mariota as well uh, and what he has to throw to and whether he can comes down the field. So and I think there's enough yeah. there to, to be optimistic about. But obviously, again, if same issues as last year with Mariota and perhaps, you know, the, the, the draft picks that on offence maybe don't work out, then maybe we can see maybe a similar season. Well, that's that's the thing. the 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 floor could be quite low if if Mariota struggles with his fitness again, or the, or simply doesn't produce. Um, you're you're then looking at potentially a rebuild, as as we all know, so much in the NFL is down to to that one position. Mm. Um, if that doesn't work out, and um, you're looking at the the next draft, which by all accounts might not be the worst draft to to look at quarterbacks, but yeah, mm. um, yeah all so much on his shoulders really um i think he's he's up to it he's he can perform in pressure situations i that's how i see it going um but obviously got everything crossed when i say it yeah i mean that's a good point actually obviously next year's draft class has always been um wax lyrical about hasn't it about the qbs i mean gun to your head i I suppose you'd go that he gets extended yeah yeah i think i i think so Uh, but he's he's going to have to prove something um, to get that done, um, well, from from both sides, to be fair, um, assuming he he wants to stay in Tennessee, I think he's a he's a good guy. There's he's always shown professionalism. He works hard. He's he's quite quiet, off sort of not outspoken. He's not on Twitter or anything like that. Um, I think he he's he's well liked, um, but you never quite know what what goes on behind the scenes. No. Um, yeah, gut feeling. I think he he will get the deal done, uh, but. It's yeah, it's nothing, nothing set in stone yet. No, no. Okay, we shall have to wait and see. If you want to get in touch with Adam Foxcroft, it's on Twitter. It's at ad foxcroft, and he is of one. Is of course a part of the uh, Long Snap NFL podcast. Well, I haven't got the uh, Twitter handle for that written down, Adam. You've got it to hand. Uh, long Snap Pod. Long Snap um, Pod. That sound that brings a trip. We're quite we're quite poor at social media. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you fo- come follow us, but, but you're, good, you're good at the podcast uh, side. So that's the most important thing. <laughs> hopefully hopefully right there we go 20 minutes of titans talk I, uh, thanks for coming on adam and uh, we'll speak to you soon yeah it's been a pleasure thanks for having me finally for the afc south part of the team reviews uh, to many people's surprise is the jacksonville jaguars uh, five and eleven there bottom of the barrel in the afc south um how the mighty have fallen 
to break it all down with us, he's not actually a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, so potentially could get a bit of a bit of, a bit of flack there from the listeners. But ho hum, um, we have just the the next best thing. Just incidentally, my wife didn't want to do it. Um, she has a Blake Bortles jersey, and she went to two games last year, but uh, didn't really fancy talking about the loss to Dallas or the loss in London. But James Fotheringham, uh, F- Fotheringham, if I get my you got it right, yeah, if I get the feathers out of my mouth there from the uh, the fantasy thinker at FF Thinker on Twitter, he's here to to break it all down. Uh, mainly because your your wife supports them, James. Yeah, she's she's been a Jags fan for a few years now on the basis of um, going towards London games, etc. So she's very much into anything homegrown or Florida. Mm. Yeah. So, and an interesting story about um, obviously her favourite player and obviously being a Steelers fan uh, and Le'Veon Bell. Do you want to explain to this as well? That's all about. <laughs> yeah, um, I've Steelers fan myself. Um, the Jags is more of a sideline on the basis of uh, who she supports but um, originally my first jersey I ever got was a Le'Veon Bell jersey which may not be worth a lot, lot nowadays but um, <laughs> her favourite player from the Jags uh, isn't isn't particularly conventional it's Carson Tinker who's the long snapper um, she had this dream offensively to that if she had a Carson Tinker jersey and I had the Le'Veon Bell jersey and we stood next to each other you'd get Tinkerbell written on the back which as a massive Disney fan was really appealing to her so she's just been a fan of Tinker ever since yeah I mean what what better reason than, than that itself Tinkerbell I love it um, magical one, one of the rom- more romantic stories in the NFL fan base um, yeah you could say you could say that it's um, <laughs> it, it went a bit sour when when the fir- in my league record in fantasy she won it before i did oh. um so that's that's where it all started to spiral a little yeah. bit and uh, obviously last year with them getting further than us but hey ho uh say i'm happy to talk about the jags though yeah. um if she's happy i'm happy <laughs> absolutely all about the peaceful life um talking of peaceful life, peaceful life there wasn't really much yeah, in that in, in Jacksonville last season, coming into the season, obviously off the back of potentially being a couple of minutes away from the Super Bowl uh, last season, losing it in the championship game. Um, I, I suppose it's, it's it's not the it's the most obvious thing in the world to say that uh, they didn't quite to get to expectations this season. Uh, I suppose coming into the season, the, the the objective was to get to the Super Bowl. It was, to be honest, everyone was gearing it up to say, yeah, let's take on the Patriots. The Jags are ready. The defense is there. The offense, you know, there was at the end of last season, it looked like Blake Bottles had got himself together and they gave him a contract likewise. And it turned out it was a bit of a false dawn. Mm. Um, I mean, let's not forget, we had a decent start. Uh, the Jags had a decent start to the season. But um, from about game four, I think it pretty much fell apart. Mm. Yeah, I mean, let, let's recap the start of the season. Wins at the New York Giants and a win a revenge against the uh, New England Patriots there in week in week two at home, uh, beating the Patriots 31-20. to Losing to Tennessee uh, in a funny old game. I think it was a field goal game in that one, 6-9 to the score there. Uh, and then beating the Jets. But then I think oh, the first place schedule kind of killed them because they then lost to Dallas, lost to Kansas City, lost to Houston, uh, Philadelphia, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, uh, and the loss to Buffalo was just kind of the icing on the cake. Seven straight losses there uh, went from you know three and one to three and eight. Kind of just kills the season. Yeah, it's um, momentum was pretty much at zero to the point where it was negative. No one was quite believing in the team. Jalen Ramsey was jarring off more than he was actually playing. And um, to be honest, it, it was just a bit of a dumpster fire at that point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I say at that point, yeah, it's a, it's a funny old season, especially on the defense as well. Fournette uh, wasn't wasn't able to stay healthy for the whole season, and uh, 
God knows what was going on with his attitude uh, towards the end of the season. But that defense didn't always turn up, did it? And you know, losses to to the Bills, even the Redskins. You know, in Week 15, uh, when you know Josh Johnson, I think and Josh John- Johnson led uh, Washington Redskins. I mean, I mean, yeah, like the, the emergency backup. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah. that's when you that's when you know you've pretty much mailed it in for the season. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, that, I mean that was the final home game as well. So you'd think they'd have a a fight, but. Uh, no, not to be. Because I even think at that point they uh, still had something to play for, and they usually play tough at home against you know for, for their home crowd. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're headless chickens, and they, they just weren't interested in playing towards the end of the season. Nah, I think I think a few of them had seen sort of next season on the horizon. I mean, the, say in that in that running they had two wins against the Colts and against uh, the Dolphins, and neither time did they score particularly highly. No. So it just. They just didn't have any belief in the offense, which kind of meant the defense just gave up eventually. Yeah, I mean that Indianapolis Colts win—they won six to nothing, uh, where they had 200, 200 to total yards of offense. Um, you know, I mean, it's not—it's not one for the ages that that game really, but um, was it was a surprising result considering what had gone on before that. Just proof that at the beginning of the Super Bowl, it could have been worse. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, it even got so bad that they, they took out Blake Bortles and put Cody Kessler in for a couple of games as well. Um, I'm not quite sure. Obviously, I, I don't see any of those being That's, the quarterback next season. That was sending a message. I'll be honest, looking at sort of cap space and dead cap and everything else, I, however much the fan base will not like this, I have a feeling Bortles will start next year purely because of the dead cap space with getting rid of him and bringing in someone else. Mm. They'll, my suspicion is that they'll draft a quarterback so that I know Blake Bottoms isn't exactly the best teacher in the world for a young quarterback, <laughs> but he is gonna he's going to have experience. He's certainly going to have to teach them how to get through the bad times and how occasionally he can be good. So, pro, But he'll probably take the flack for that season. It'll almost be a bit of a write-off from the start. Uh, and then young quarterback will come in and effectively take the reins as of next season when Bottles' uh, cap hit is not quite so hard for them to get rid of him. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point because quite a lot of people are saying about, you know, who who Jacksonville are going to bring in. They're going to bring in Nick Foles. They're going to bring in this, that and the other. Uh, maybe even draft one, draft one uh, if not uh, Nick Foles. I mean, Nick Foles probably seems to be one of the best fits there uh, in, in Jacksonville. There's not really too much else that they kind of want to gonna go for. But do you, I suppose then, from what, from what you're saying, you're expecting them to draft one rather than, than Simon. I, th- I think they'll go developmental pure, and I think it's purely by need because of ball with you know, balls. He's pretty much tied on this year. That three-year contract was a bad move, mm. um, and I think that it almost ties them to using him next year so that they can then cut ties after next season. Mm. Uh, so it's probably the perfect time to bring someone through in developmental. I mean, when you look at some of the rookie quarterbacks from the last few drafts who've been starting to tear up the league, they're going to probably want in on that action. And in many respects for this year, they've got a bit of a dice roll. They can do what Kansas City did with Mahomes, mm. give him sort of have the veteran go on ahead for a year, sprinkle them in later on, knowing that they're going to be the successor. And there you go. There's your uh, quarterback for the next few years. Hopefully, a little bit more successful than Bottles. Although, obviously, if I remember, Bottles, what, fourth overall pick? Oh, God, If nice. I remember. And, um, yeah, it, I know, it surprises everyone when you tell them. Um, so, obviously, the, the record in the draft isn't exactly fantastic uh, until you sort of look at the defence in recent years. So, uh, we'll have to see. But I still think that's the way they're going to go. I'm not sure Foles is necessarily the answer. Mm. 
Um, it would certainly be a damn sight better than what they've got, but whether that actually you know would translate, I think they've got sort of other issues first. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, if the answer to any question is Nick Foles, I don't really want to know what the question is, to be quite honest. But um, yeah, I mean, also just playing devil's yeah. advocate a little bit, um, Doug Marone was on the hot seat and was kind of a candidate to go in this off season as well. So playing, thinking it in my mind, if I'm Doug Marone or if I'm you know trying to be cheeky here, maybe I'm, I'm taking a quarterback in the draft so that if I am. Yeah, even hotter in that hot seat coming into 2019. You've, you've always got the get-out-of-jail-free card that is put in the rookie quarterback. Yeah, that would... It would be what... I'm sure that's what Marone would like, although um, it's whether sort of the higher up hierarchy will let him. Hmm. I suspect that Marone's not got quite as much control of that franchise no. as it looks. No. No. Okay, and whichever whichever QB does come in in the off season, assuming that one does come in, and say we are both thinking that it will, there's there's wide receivers there that we we expect. I, I suppose on the back of last season, uh, where they got to the championship game, we were expecting a, a, a step forward from at least one or two. They, they took DJ Chark uh, in the draft last season. You've, you've got Didi Westbrook there. You've got Keelan Cole. Uh, Moncrief was signed on a one year deal. He's now obviously a free agent, but. Uh, is, is there any of these wide receivers that can, are going to step up and be a wide receiver one, or is it just going to be kind of a, a failed Dallas move before they got Mario Cooper in you know, just a committee wide receiver, which doesn't tend to work out very well for any team? Well, I kind of called it a plethora of mediocrity when it was happening last year, and um, they've got a lot of people who have the ability to climb uh, to be in the number one, but um, they're probably all treaded on each other's feet. Mm. I think, to be honest, Mark Easley coming back from injury could be both a blessing and a curse in yeah. that it gives them someone who they might see as the focal point. Yeah. But if you look at his sort of stats and metrics, it doesn't look pretty. Hmm. Um, I suspect, I would personally hope that D.D. Westbrook is the one who steps up to be in the one because I do think he has the most talent. DJ Chuck does have promise and Keelan Cole showed sort of at the stretch, not, not this season gone, but the season before, that yeah. he does have ability and he will be able to do a job. But, as you say, it's a bit of a wide receiver by committee, which isn't exactly fantastic. And it's even worse when you factor in that they don't really have a reliable tight end either. So, yeah. you know, the variety isn't there either. Yeah. It doesn't look like um, ASJ, Austin Severian Jenkins, is going to stick around either. It sounds like he's on his way. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that passing game is a bit stagnant. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Diddy Westbrook out of the slot there, 66 receptions, 717 yards, five touchdowns, which considering the the the, the mediocrity of the, the quarterback position over the, over the season uh, is not a bad effort, really. And say so Marquise Lee, they paid him big money uh, prior to him getting injured. Um, so, yeah, you'd expect him to come back and, and, and factor in. Moncrief, I think, will is obviously gone. So he won't, you know, he had 668 yards, three touchdowns on 48 receptions. So there's a bit, a bit, bit of a gap there. But let's not also forget that the offensive line, uh, Andrew Norwell came in, didn't he, over the offseason last year to, to make them a, a power-running type team with Leonard Fournette there, TJ Eldon, and, and all the rest of it. So... I mean, it's not a big it's not a big pie or a particularly nicely tasting pie that, that, that that's there in the wide receiving core for Jacksonville for fantasy and maybe for NFL. Um, and I, I suppose, you know, th- let's not forget as well. This is a defense that would need to be paid at some point. Yeah, that's going to be the problem. They're going to hit a point where they're not going to be able to keep all of them, I reckon. Or if they are, it's going to be at someone's expense. So, um, no, I mean, touching on Norwell, I mean, he was the big addition. He was. I mean, he was paid as such. 
Um, and to be fair, for Jack, for years, Jacksonville's biggest problem was the offensive line was keeping the quarterback upright. Although in real terms, it's making the lanes for the running backs. Um, I suspect that if Fournette had stayed fit throughout the season, that, that we'd have been looking at a very different story because um, they very much the Jacks don't hide. They are very much run first and defend. Um, as you can tell by the way that we've talked for a few minutes about the lack of receiving options and the lack of a decent quarterback, mm. it's kind of you're not bluffing anyone. Mm. But um, with Fournette's injury history, uh, it's it's got a massive fly in the ointment, and uh, they probably still need even more on offense on the offensive line because after that first four games, injuries just started mounting up. And uh, I remember Cam Robinson went down at some point, and that pretty much finished was where the tailspin started. Mm. Yeah, I'll say Fanet himself as well. Um, just the eight games died this season was uh, dogged by by a hamstring injury. Um, only managed to get three point three yards per carry this season, which is obviously. <laughs> Not going to put up any trees, but yeah, that's quite our segue into the offseason. Then we, we mentioned obviously we were expecting a, maybe a QB, maybe in the draft, maybe in free agency to come. Mo, uh, most definitely, probably in the draft. Are there any other? Part, yeah, this is a this is a draft class that's deep on on the lines, on the in the trenches, on both sides of the ball. Uh, mainly, uh, obviously, defense. But uh, second round, second round onwards, then we, we expect in Jacksonville to 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 add depth to the lines. Yeah, um, I think say offensive line depth has been their Achilles heel for a number of years, and I suspect they'll, if with a bit better draft class on that front this year, they'll probably look to exploit it. Um, with all the defensive, uh, you know, big names starting to get up towards contract renewal time, they'll probably be looking at getting the cheaper replacements in, yeah. and getting the next generation since they've proven that they can, you know, draft the defensive side of the ball pretty well. Mm. Um, a lot may hinge a little bit on there is trade rumors regards Jalen Ramsey moving on, um, and if so, you're going to be looking for some someone special to pretty much you know prop up the cornerbacks. Whether they go free agency, whether they go draft, who knows? But um, that's probably one of the storylines to keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah, certainly is. He's obviously always draws headlines uh, each and every week in the NFL. But let's uh, talk about the, the division as a whole then as we round this off. Uh, AFC South has been a funny division over the last couple of years. Um, you know, first to first to last, last to first and all the rest of it. What, I, I suppose that the, the, the goal for the Jaguars will be returning to the top of the AFC South, but might be a bit more difficult than it has been in, in years past with Houston uh, and Deshaun Watson looking set now for the next couple of years uh, and Andrew Luck coming back to the fore, uh, like we said earlier in the podcast. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough to get back to the top, and but they should be improving on the five and eleven season from from last year. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those where that division is shaking out that if if the Jags do get their quarterback of the future and they prove to be pretty decent, um, the Titans aren't exactly slouches. It's one heck of a division. It could become pretty, you know pretty much a gunfight all the time. Mm. It's only one of those where you know third place is going to count themselves unlucky not to be playing in the playoffs. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But uh, so I suppose again the with Doug Marone there, yeah, you know, it's, it's probably quite a, wi- a wide range of uh, outcomes for for twenty nineteen in, in Jacksonville. Anything from an, you know another poor season with Doug Marone gone uh, to to another playoff, a deep playoff run. Both of them are on the table. I mean, say we got they got to um, the championship game last season, not last season, the season before, um, even with Bortles in tow. So uh, it proves that anything's possible. Is very much. Uh, who's going to step up? Are the difference makers going to make a difference? Um, 
are you going to be able to replace you know potentially outgoing parts and you're going to get enough death to be able to run it mm. as you say the the Colts and the Texans do just look like power outfits right now yeah. and it's hard to see the Jags really keeping pace uh, it could be one of those where 2019 is just a bit of a a bit of a write-off and prepare for 2020. Yeah, I was going to say of of those outcomes that are in play for Jacksonville, I, I think I think the more realistic one is the the uh, more the more disappointing outcome, uh, shall we say, just because of the division, but also you know there's quite a lot there that they need to kind of get right and get their house in order to, in order to uh, achieve again. Because I say that that 2017 season, uh, you know, kind of was their boat, wasn't it? But that's that boat's kind of sailed now, and they need to regroup and, and reset. Yeah, I think yeah, I can I can foresee eight and eight. I mean, the wife will not be happy to hear that, but um, yeah, I'm I'm sort of foreseeing around eight and eight, maybe nine and seven. Yeah, yeah, it'll certainly come down to all those divisional games, uh, like it usually does every year in in that division. But James, thank you for coming on and talking about our Jacksonville Jaguars as the NFL UK likes to push it. Um, will you be going to the Jags again next year? Um, haven't quite haven't quite decided yet. I haven't got been able to get onto the ticket line sadly so um chances are i'm saving up to be honest to go 2020 mm, yeah, i've got a trip over to i've got a trip over to florida um coming up this year so uh sadly not to go see the jags although that is on my bucket list mm. but um maybe in the years to come i'll they may not be there though any after all the recent rumors uh, those are rumours I've not really heard of, so I can't really uh, comment too much. But um, well, I've, I've, there's always rumours about him coming over to London and yeah. actually being a bit more of a permanent fixture. But that's very much uh, going to be a bit of a long run, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't. Yeah, I, I suppose we can touch on that for for a moment. Obviously, um, Shahid Khan tried to buy Wembley um, with Drew's offer, didn't he? And I think Roger Goodell, Goodell come out a couple of weeks ago and said in his yearly statement that uh, yeah, it's a bit of a while away for London. What is it as a Jags? Well, your wife's obviously a Jags fan, but if you're a Jags fan are you wanting uh, maybe not over over here more so but are you, are you wanting a London franchise to, to be a Jaguars team or I mean I'm not, I'm not a big fan of of a London team I think it would spoil the, the game over here I like it how, how it is currently what's your what's your thoughts on that I mean my first thoughts I agree with you and that I, I like the novelty of having you know the games over here but a permanent franchise I think the logistics of it make it just too much of an uneven playing field yeah um, you know, it's like you know, wanting a buy. Everyone gets a buy after playing the London game, and whereas London teams going over to the US aren't going to be getting a buy every week. No. So it's kind of it kind of muddies the water. Um, this you know, this however much an expansion draft would be, you know, potentially fun, but misaligning the leagues as well. Mm. Um, you'd have to take over a team like the Jags, and I don't really see it to be honest. I can, I think the way it works now is probably about the right way. Mm. Yeah, and I say it's just it's just making a change for the sake of making changes. Now it's it's perfect how the way it is, how it's all set up, and it all goes and all fits nicely into a little box there with a bow bow on top. And I think it'd be a shame if um, if it, if they they do go ahead and change it, considering that it's not been so, so, too long, you know, in the in the depths of time that they actually changed it. You know, when Houston came in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when Tottenham Stadium's finished and they've been able to you know run it out there as well. Yeah. That could be quite something. That would be the bit of a game changer that the UK wants, yeah. in many respects, just to do a little bit of a switch up. But um, yeah, the, I think a permanent franchise would cause more questions than it would bring joy over here. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it would be quite interesting to see the turn if it, if it did happen, but I don't think it will. So maybe we don't even need to don't need to cross that bridge when we get to it because we'll, we'll take a little detour elsewhere. But uh, James, thank you so much for coming on and talking Jags there. 
Uh, and we will just have, yeah, so we'll have to wait and see what the AFC South brings us in 2019. Yeah, thanks very much for having me on. So there you have it, AFC South all done and dusted and considering we're nearly rolling up to 1 hour 20, shan't keep you too long but thank you if you got to this far, uh, really appreciate the effort there. Uh, give us your thoughts on the AFC South or maybe the AFC East uh, at full 10 yards of course on the Twitter. Thanks again once again to all the guys there that have uh, helped contribute to the AFC South. We'll be back again tomorrow with the AFC North so we'll be talking Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland and the Bengals. So if you're a fan of any of those teams or you're enjoying the divisional pre-reviews on the season, come check us out and say Friday as well, AFC West to look forward to. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all again for joining us. Really appreciate the effort and in the great words of Kevin Cadle. It's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com